0: Hello and welcome to the Outpost Community Church Sunday podcast. My name is Greg, and we are currently going through a series in Matthew, and we are so glad you tuned in. If you'd like to hear more about the vision and mission of Outpost Community Church, you can go to our website at outpostcommunity.org, and you will find it there. Otherwise, we pray that you have a wonderful week of worship and that this message would inspire you to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So glad you're here. If you have a Bible uh, or a Bible app, go to Psalm chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. So if you flip them to the middle of your Bible, you go to the left a little bit, you look for 1, and you'll find it. Okay? Psalm chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. So we've been traveling through the book of Matthew. We just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're going to do this week is we're taking, like, this is not a we're done with Matthew. It's just a consider like an intermission. We're going to do a little short uh, eight-week talk called Reset, and we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, okay? So let me ask you guys, how many of you guys have ever been to a chiropractor? Raise your hand. All right, dope. So my chiropractor was in the first service, and I did not tell him I was going to say this, but he was okay with it anyways. Um, but so I don't know if you guys have ever had your back out. I've I had my back out so bad where I'm like looking in the mirror, and I'm like this, and I'm like, something's wrong. Uh, and so anyways, I go see events. And what, at Vince's place, I love going in there, go in, uh, they take you to a room, set you up, they put those hot pads on like the, on those hot spots in your back where you need the most attention, right? So, which is like basically my whole back. And so he puts the, on there, you're laying there, they got some like soothing Christian radio music playing in the background, and you just get all, you know, loose and ready. And then he comes in, and, and Vince is a great guy, and he's just chat, chatting and talking and hanging and talking about, all right, what do you need, blah, 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 we talk through it. And, uh, and he's just, it's very casual, you know, I'm a lower back, great, okay, cool. And so, you know, he, he, here's the thing about Vince, though. Vince does CrossFit, and so he's just like this little ball of muscle, and he's incredibly strong. And so he's just talking to me, and, you know, the Christmas music playing, I'm just like, I've let down my guard. I'm feeling comfortable. I feel safe. And then he crawls up on top of me, and then he grabs my leg and my shoulder and goes, Gah! like that. <laughs> And then he goes back to talking very normal. All right, so how's you know how the kids? I'm like, hold on a second, I gotta wiggle my toes. I gotta see if I'm still alive, right? That's sometimes what it's like going to get your back reset. Um, But how many of you guys have uh, had these times in your life, these moments, different areas of your life, where you felt like you needed a reset? You need maybe like a redo, right? Maybe it's in a relationship. You need a reset in your relationship. Maybe it's man, your marriage. You feel like man, I just we need a reset. Maybe it's your relationship with Jesus. You've been walking with God, and things have just kind of gotten a little bit more loose and a little bit more pulled back, and it's like, ah, I'm at this point. I just need a reset. Anybody ever experienced any of that ever in your life? Okay, me, both hands. If I had another arm, I'd raise it. Um, Sometimes we need a reset. And I want to tell you, this summer, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time to look at some spiritual disciplines. Now, when you hear the word discipline, you think of like punishment, and they're not punishment. We'll just call them, we, we've called them in the past spiritual patterns, okay? Patterns for renewal. So what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of reset. Summertime is a different time. It's definitely been a different time this summer, right? Because uh, does it rain this morning yet? I've been in this building the whole time. Okay, it could rain at any moment. Just like wait for it. Yesterday, it was like sunshine and rainy, and I'm from the south. And in the south, we say, if it's sunshining and raining, it means the devil's beating his wife. Y'all ever heard that? No, you never heard of that? So, when I moved, uh, coming from South Carolina, when I moved here, it was the first time I saw sunshine and snow. And I was like, he must be beating his sister. This is the weirdest thing. All right, that's just a dumb joke. I shouldn't have said that. All right. But today we're going to look at Psalms. And today we're going to look at Psalm 1. And today's uh, reset, we're going to look at the, the best start. We're going to talk about reading the Word of God. Okay? Reset needs to start by reading the Word of God and seeing the way that God has called us to live, all right? We're going to look at Psalm 1 at the Psalm 1 man. You can call it Psalm 1 woman if you want, if, that, uh, if you need that. So why don't you guys stand with me, and we're going to read this together. Honoring the Word of the Lord. Okay, let me read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, You guys can have seats, seat, the so the Lord. So what we're going to do throughout this whole series, we talk about reset. Uh, today, again, we're talking about reading the word of the Lord for the glory of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what is Psalm 1 saying? What is it teaching us? And then I'm going to talk about how does that apply to you and me, okay, as individuals. What would it look like for me and you to be a Psalm 1 man, Psalm 1 woman? Then we're going to dream a little bit and talk about how can we be a Psalm 1 a person in our family, a Psalm 1 person in our community. So every week when we look at these, we're going to pull out in the second half of the message, we're going to talk about you, you and your family, you and your community. All right? You guys know where I'm going now? Let's look at Psalm 1. Now, Psalm 1 is one of my favorites. Uh, I love it. I was forced to memorize it, and I'm so glad I did. But Psalm 1 is a psalm of contrast. Can everybody say contrast? Alright, you're with me. Great. Uh, Coffee is kicking in. And it's a contrast of values, it's a contrast of fruits, and it's a contrast of outcomes. Values, fruits, and outcomes. Now listen, the whole Bible is centered on God. Anybody surprised by that? No. So it's centered on God. And in this psalm, you're going to see it's centered on God. And the values are whether or not you value the Lord or you don't value the Lord. You love and adore the Lord, or you hate and reject the Lord. Your whole Bible is divided by that right there, but it is centered on God, all right? So if you value the Lord, you can't not value the Lord at the same time, can you? No, if you say, I, want, I follow the Lord, and but then you don't follow the Lord. You can't do them both at the same time. You can't follow the Lord and not follow the Lord at the same time, right? You can't go left when you're going right, it's, so it, the center is God, and it's a dividing line. Now, I want you guys to imagine. If you've got a group of people who are, man, they love and adore the Lord, and they want to follow him, uh, that's going to become a lifestyle, isn't it? That's a way of living. They're going to live their life in a certain way. Anybody agree? Does that make sense? Those, have you, Anybody ever met somebody who doesn't love and adore the Lord? Anybody? look to your left and right. It was those people right around you. Maybe still is, right? Like, so, okay, not calling anybody out. No eye contact. All right, here we go. Um, but that's also a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Now, I want you to imagine if these two groups of people are doing their life, living their life this way, are they going to come to two different types of outcomes? Of course. They're going to come to two different types of outcomes, so you understand what I'm saying. So. so, uh, Proverbs 4, like I said, your whole Bible, it talks about both of these pathways, but it centers on God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says it like this. It says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter till full day. Was anybody up this morning got to see the sun come up? This morning I got up early and I went for a walk and I got to see the sun come up and see how the day just comes to come alive, right? The birds start losing their minds and start just screaming at each other. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Loved it. That's what they're saying is the way of the righteous, okay? And it says the way of the wicked or the path of the wicked, all right, is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they're stumbling. So it's this idea of this growing darkness, and then it's this idea of this growing light. Two different pathways. Now, you don't have to agree with that. You don't have to say that. You can go, man, the Bible's not right. I don't really care what it says, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. I'm letting you know the Bible that has God at the center says there's two different ways to live, the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. You guys tracking with me? Okay. In this Psalm, in Psalm 1, it says that those, the man who walks in the way of the Lord, who adores and loves the Lord, calls him the blessed man. Everybody say blessed man. Blessed man. You ever go like, man, that guy's blessed. Anybody ever gone to a church and were like, bless you, brother, Right? Okay, so y'all are all from maybe not around here. In the south, it's like every time you go to church. Okay, but on the other side, those who do not walk in the way of the Lord, it calls them the wicked. And what Psalm 1 says in verse 1 is, blesses is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, when you read this, it talks about first doing what? Walking, and then it progresses to what? Standing with, and then it progresses to What? Okay, you're supposed to read that as a progression. And you guys know this. You don't have to grow up in church or read the Bible or anything of like that to know. Everyone in here, you guys know this, right? You agree. You are going to become a lot like the people you hang out with. Isn't that true? Yeah, you become like the people you hang out with. I've heard it said that, you know, you, you become, you know, the average of the five people you hang with. Like, who came up with that? How did you mathematically figure that out? Okay, I have no clue. That's a joke, guys. Stick with me. I'm trying to see if you're alive here. Okay, but the people you hang with you're going to be like. So listen, if you walk with a certain group of people, you're going to eventually start standing with them on their opinions, on their policies, on their parenting styles, and on pretty much everything else. Right? You start living in Cody, Wyoming, it's a matter of time before you're going like, "You know what? I am for guns and yeah, you know what? We should protect our lands." you know, whatever. You're going to start doing that. You've moved to Seattle. It's like you're not going to be surprised. Yeah, you know what? Gender is fluid. You know what? This is this. And and we go, hold on a second. You know, are you saying it's, you know, truth is relative? I go, sometimes to you it is. But the reality is your Bible says that God is at the center, and it's either this or it's that. And he's saying that the Psalm 1 man, listen to this, never walks, stands, or sits. The way you're supposed to read this is literally as if the, the blessed man, he never walks, he never stands, he never sits with the wicked. Never does it, not once. And the reason why he doesn't is because he sees that the wicked's way, there is no blessing. No blessing that way. But with God, there is nothing but blessing. And so what does it say that he does? It says that he delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates when, guys? Day and night. He meditates on it day and night. Now, why does the blessed man meditate on the law of the Lord day and night? It's because the Lord is his delight. He delights in the law because he delights in God. Now, when you go delight in the law, delight in rules, like how many of the kids in the room are like, I hate rules. Like, rules stink. Rules are boring. That's not what I'm talking about. The blessed man of Psalm 1 says, the rules are the bomb. I love these because I love my God. So it's kind of like this. I told the first service. I love my wife, and through being married to my wife for 13 years, there are certain things that I know she doesn't like, okay? Like me eating my cereal in the mornings with my mouth open. She doesn't like that, okay? So I just go outside and eat it, okay? Um, uh, I I know, uh, she knows about me, and she loves me. She knows that I do not like somebody startling me awake, okay? I hate it. I get violently frustrated and mad. I have to apologize always afterwards. I just just don't, like, just slowly turn on the line. Okay, so I don't do certain things around my wife because I love my wife. In the same way, the blessed man says, and he loves the Lord, loves him. And so when he sees that God has a certain way, he goes, I want to walk in that. Because you are blessing and your way must be blessing. I want your way. So he never does it. So what have I said so far? The blessed man never delights in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed man always delights in the law of God because he delights in God. Now, I just surfaced a problem, and here's the problem. Psalm 1 is a description of no man in history except for one man. Who is that? Jesus. We're in church. You got it right. Great job. It's a description of Jesus. Listen, guys. No one in this room is this Psalm 1 man. No girl or woman in this room is the Psalm 1 woman. Neither am I. How many of you guys walked with the wicked, stood with them, sat with them, mocked the way, mocked Christianity, mocked the way of following the Lord? And you go. I, you didn't want him to do it. You said, I want to go my way, not the Lord's way. Every single person who's ever existed. So let me just tell you, this description is a description of Jesus, not us. He's the only man who never walked with sinners, walked in the way of sinners. He never took the counsel of sinners. He never stood with them, sat with them, and scoffed the way. Never did it, not once, because Jesus' delight was in the law of the Lord. Jesus' delight was in God and his relationship he had with the Lord. So when we read this, when you think about Jesus, when you think about his life, what was Jesus like? Living like this, what was he like? 1 and 2 tells us what his delight was, that he savored, that he loved, that he looked forward to the law. Verses 3 and 4 tell us what he became, what he was like. It says this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, chaff that the wind drives away. What does that mean? Okay, how many of you guys played baseball? Anybody in here play baseball? Anybody in here like baseball? Okay, I played it. It's not the best sport. The best sport is basketball. Let's just be clear about that. Okay, if you got a hot take, that's fine. I got the mic. I'm doing the talking. It's basketball. Okay, and so, anyways, baseball. Uh, if you grow up uh, playing baseball, you're probably going to be familiar with this. What is this right here? What is that? That's sunflower seeds. You guys recognize those? Okay, all right, we're growing up. You guys remember, if you played baseball, if you didn't play baseball, this should be familiar to you. Man, just throwing in a big wad of sunflower seeds, right, and just working through those things, spitting them out. OK, what do you eat? Do you eat the shell, or do you eat the seed? You eat the seed. What do you do with the shell? You spit it out. Do you care where you spit it out? No, I don't care where I spit it. I spit it anywhere in the dugout. As long as it's not somebody's eye, I'm happy. And what happens later? Somebody comes to the dugout, sweeps it all up, throws it in the trash. Okay, this is the difference between the fruit and the chaff. Fruit left, chaff right. There is one thing that has value and something else that's worth spitting out of your mouth. It's chaff. He's saying the the way of the righteous is like a tree that produces fruit, because it's all it doesn't matter what season, because it's always plugged into the water of life. But he says, the wicked are like chaff that the wind, a light breeze blows away. Let me explain to you what this means. From what I understand, in in ancient Israel, what they would do is when they'd have the seed, they'd kind of get it all kind of smashed up a little bit. But when they wanted to get the seed out of there and just keep the fruit, what they would do is they would take it, throw it up in the air on a light, breezy day, and it would blow away the stuff you don't need. And the stuff of weight and value and importance would fall to the ground. And that's what you would take and you go to use. Does that make sense? And so what he is saying here, the Psalm 1 Man is a person of value. He is a person of value, full of life, bringing life, like that seed. The shell, unless you're a crazy person like some of the kids on my baseball team, is not what you eat. You spit that out, you send it, right? And he's a person of value. Now why is the Psalm 1 man a person of value? We know that he is planted, he's rooted, He's fruited, but why is he a person of value? Remember, we're talking about Jesus. He's valuable because he prospers in everything he sets out to do. Okay? He prospers. Now, let's talk about that word prosperity. Everybody in the room, you love the word prosperity, right? Who doesn't want to prosper? Does anybody in this room want to prosper? Now, when I say the word prosper, a lot of times what we think about is like, is uh, cars, clothes, some fresh Jordans. Uh, Vacation down in Tulum, right? Hanging out on the beach Okay, uh, we think of that kind of prosperity But the Hebrew word right here When it's saying the word prosperity, right? I'm not trying to be impressive I don't know Hebrew I just can, I have books that tell me what it says But Hebrew, what it's saying is Prosperity means that you accomplish the thing you set out to do Prospering means that you accomplish the thing that you set out to do Now listen That sounds really great if what you set out to do is get cars, clothes, uh, uh, a vacation down in Tulum, Mexico, right? Like, that sounds fantastic. But let me ask you, what did Jesus set out to accomplish? Salvation. Salvation. He went to go and fulfill the, uh, the will of the Father. What was the will of the Father? To seek and to save the lost. To go and get the wicked, you and me. Did Jesus actually accomplish that? Jesus is a man in history who is a man of value across all time because he's a man who prospered in the way of seeking uh, to save the lost, coming after guys and gals like you and I. And it gives him value, and he succeeded in doing so. So listen, we are not the Psalm 1 man. But through belief in Jesus Christ, we receive the Psalm 1 blessing through him. Do you hear me? Through Jesus. And when we love Jesus, then we are going to know what it means to prosper in the way. According to God's way, not according to the world's prosperity. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to talk about something real quick that's really important. When we think prosperity, when we think about, uh, well, let let me just say it like this. Earlier, guys, I talked about the Bible is centered on who? It's centered on Jesus. centered on God, right? And what divides uh, the understanding of right and wrong and morality and what is good, right, is everything is centered on God. So loving and adoring the Lord is good. Uh, Rejecting the Lord, hating the Lord is bad. Uh, Doing what the Lord says is described as righteousness. Not doing what the Lord said is called wickedness. That is the divide. Now, I want to show you this image. Maybe it was already on the screen. Here we go. So it's got God at the center, love versus rejection. Okay, he, there is a, listen, satanic, evil lie that wants to distort the reality that God is at the center and everything is divided on how you relate to him. And what it wants to do is it wants to make morality, it wants to make all of life split between two different things, between pleasure and pain. Listen to me. This is. The operating system of our culture, and it is incredibly deceptive and powerful. Now listen, what does this look like? It means, hey, this feels good, so this must be good. Hey, this doesn't feel so good, this cannot be good. And so it's based on feelings, but feelings of who? Self, right? I'm giving you a cheat on the screen, guys. Like, it's like, I'm not like I'm playing no games with you, you know what I mean? So like, if you you putting at the center of, uh, of uh, putting yourself at the center, which is what has been the great lie, great temptation of all time. You stepping in the place of God and saying, "God, I don't want Your way. I'm going to do what feels good for me, and I'm going to avoid what doesn't feel so good for me." Okay. Hey, you know what? Going to church is just, I did didn't—I don't feel good when I go there. Serving there is just too much. I don't want to give them my time, talent, and treasure, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Hey, this marriage has gotten really too hard. We just kind of lost all the pleasure and the fun of it. You know, so like, ah, just I'm going to be out on that. It's just not good for me. You know, with this job, it's just like, it's not really working for me. My boss makes me work 40 hours a week. He says that's full time, but I'm more in like the work three hours, get paid $50,000 a year, no problem kind of guy, right? So I'm going to go and live in my van and drive the Oregon coast. It's going to be wonderful, right? So it's like, I, I, obviously, guys, I'm being facetious <laughs> and making fun, of, making fun of my generation, but it's all based on how you feel. And it's based on how you feel. And who can Listen, I get why this is so attractive. I get why I fall into this trap. Because, man, what feels good feels good, man. So it's got to be good. And, man, what hurts, man, it can really hurt. And I don't want to be in that. But the problem is Jesus, the Psalm 1 man, set out to prosper in the will of the Lord. And God's will led him to pleasure, and pain. So walking in the will of the Lord will hurt. Walking in the will of the Lord will be also really great. But that, go back to that image. A world that's built on you is what Satan wants for you, and it is a lie, and it is destructive, and it will lead to pain in the end. Look at what Psalm 1 says uh, is the And outcome. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The greatest fear of the world is pain, and all of morality and how we think is split between pleasure and pain. What's crazy is Satan has tricked us into an idea of living a life in a way that has an outcome that is literally our greatest nightmare constantly. It's pain in separation from a God who is good and joy-filled and full of pleasure. That's what he's tricking us into. But that's why the law of the Lord is so important. Because the law is a map and a manual. It's a way to a holy God and it's a walk with a holy God. You hear what I'm saying? It's a way to a holy God and a walk with a holy God. It's how you do both, how you live. And here's the great thing. If you decide you want to follow the Lord... Check this out. If you believe in faith that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's simply belief. It's not you being a good guy, showing up to church, wearing your button down, reading your Bible, doing any of the disciplines we're going to talk about. It's not that. What saves us is believing in the only Psalm one man to ever live, trusting in him, and his blessing becomes ours. That's how Jesus became a blessed blessing. All right, listen, a blessed blessing. What do I mean by that? He's blessed because he has a perfect relationship with God. He's a blessing because he gives over the fruit of that relationship to us. And so when you put your faith and follow Jesus, guys, when you dive in the word and you, you delight in the law of the Lord and you want to follow him, man, when you do that, you can become a blessed blessing. You'll never be the blessed blessing that Jesus was. Not possible. You can't die for the sins of the world. But you will become a blessed blessing. What does that mean? Even in the midst of pain. It means that you will learn. God will teach you how to be patient in suffering. How to have peace in turmoil. How to show mercy when you're wronged. How to have gentleness when you're falsely accused. He'll give you strength in temptation. Humility in leadership and so many more things. When you decide that you want to walk in the way of the Lord, removing yourself from the throne, putting Jesus back up on it, and you want to walk in his way, truth, and life, you will find that you will become a blessed blessing. Listen, how many of you guys, before you were following Jesus, you were a mess, you were a cursed curse? Anybody? You were a cursed cuss. I mean, I was a cursed curse. My life did not know love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I did not have those things, apart from the Lord. But when I stepped into a relationship with Jesus, he revealed to me what peace was because he forgave me for my sin. But you know what's amazing? He took this this sin-addicted, broken 15-year-old, and over the last 17, 18 years, he has taken and transformed me into a blessed blessing. A perfect one? No. But my life now has meaning. I've gone from being the chaff that's just going to be spit out and sent away to being something of a seed that could bring life and fruit and love to others. And guys, in this room are so many people. So many people, that is you because of what Jesus did and you putting your faith in him. He changes us and grows us and develops us into becoming a blessed blessing. But what is a cursed curse? A cursed curse is a dad who loves drugs and alcohol more than his kids, like my dad. It's a mom who hardly ever looks up from her phone to look at her daughter. It's a guy who treats girls as objects to be used and tossed out. It's a girl who spreads gossip like a forest fire. It's a manager who blames his guys when something fails at work, when really it's his fault. It's a coworker who shows up late every day but is always in the boss's office telling on you. It's the politician who tells parents to affirm their ch- child's identity. It's people, man, who just don't know the goodness of God and they are cursed themselves and they become accursed others. They reckon to other people's lives. And that was me. And that is still the, me being transformed into the image of Christ. And so, simply put, guys, the outcome of the wicked is that their greatest fear, which is pain, will become their constant reality, while the righteous will be granted their greatest pleasure, which is to be known by God. Last week we talked about that, right? It's not about being good. It's not all the things you do. Matthew 5 says, or Matthew 7 says, that not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, right? They'll say, look, but we did this, and we did that, and we did this. Look, I went to church, and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, listen, depart from me. I don't know who you are. You're not known to me. Let me remind you, I'm going to stand before Jesus one day, just like all of you, and I'm going to stand, and I'm not standing uh, with anxiety, I'm standing with eagerness before the Lord, okay? And when he, I'm reading Revelation right now in my devotional time in the mornings, and it says that there's going to be books where it's going to be open, and, and your, the account of your life will be read to you. And here's what's great. I don't have to live in anxiety about what's going to be read, because when it opens it up, and when it goes to my name, it's going to say, It's going to say the name Jesus in Psalm One Man, and so the blessing of the Psalm One Man will be mine. And go, you are known as Jesus's. Come, enter into my rest. Not because I was a good guy, because I became a pastor. I didn't choose this. This was God's will for my life that I walk into, following the pleasure and the pain of the way. But listen, I'm going to enter into Jesus's rest, and I'm coming. I'm saying that confidently because of my faith in Jesus and how good He is, not because of how good I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to look. I've said the gospel to you like 15 times this morning. I'm trying to continually repeat it to you. There's only one Psalm, one man, and you ain't it, but he came for you. All right? And so if you accept that way, man, you get to walk with him. His blessing becomes your blessing, and he will transform you by the renewal of your mind into something that's a blessing to others. So I want you guys to imagine. Imagine a Psalm, one man in your house. What would that be like? What would it be like if a Psalm 1 mom lived in your house? Those of you guys who are already grown up, imagine what that would have been like. Imagine if you had a Psalm 1 man in your community. Maybe in your community team, maybe in Cody, it's just a Psalm 1 man living here. Okay? Let's go, let's, let's, let's be a little crazy for a moment, okay? Let's just imagine that you had a Psalm 1 man as the president of the United States. It's funny, uh, look at this. I talk about your family, and you're like, yeah, we're, we're. America, yes, Psalm <laughs> 1 man, give us one, right? It's like, guys, come on, your priorities are mixed up, right? Listen, imagine that it was a case. Listen, it can be the case, but it starts with you. What does it look like for you to become a Psalm 1 man? Now, there's a lot of things, but today we're talking about reading the word, because the Psalm 1 man delights in the law of the Lord, and honors his law he meditates day and night. So let's turn over to, I want to talk about you and me, okay? What is something, guys, that you just really love? Like, you get really excited about it. You really enjoy it. Somebody tell me something. Pickleball. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> right? Okay? Something else. Somebody else. I thought you would have said food. Right. Yeah. Music. Grandkids. grandkids. Go, come on, man. We got some liars in the house. Uh, No, I was kidding. Hey, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Anybody like roller coasters, baseball, baseball, Tulum, Mexico, right? Okay. So I want you to imagine, what's that feeling when you're like, just think of that time where you're feeling just this joy of life. You're doing something you absolutely love. It's just so fun. It's so good. Okay, that feeling, that's what we need to be prayer, as Christians, listen, we don't delight in the law of the Lord like Jesus does. We don't delight in God like Jesus does. It's a joyous, unbounded joy, or relationship in love. Delight. When I say delight in the word of the Lord, you guys go, that's, anybody like, just like, you you get them in the morning, just like, oh, gosh, right here, man, can't even wait. I got to go to work. All right. You know what? I'm just going to listen to it in my headphones all day long, baby. Right? It's kind of a weird thing to think about. It's a weird thing to think about. You're not really hearing people sing songs. Like, there's not a top five song. It's like talking about the love of the Bible. So I think it begins with us beginning to pray as we come to the word of the Lord every morning, coming to the word, going, God, make my heart see that this is good and worth delighting in. So the first, I, I, give, I have five rules for reading the Bible. I'm going to only give you three today okay, but I'm going to tell you right now. I wake up, I read this Bible every day. It is rare that I miss a day reading the Bible. I'm not saying that to brag. It took a long time for it to get there, but I read this thing pretty much every single day. I delight in the law of the Lord every morning. Do I delight in it every evening? No, in the evening, it ends up usually being like Bluey or like Mario Kart with my kids. Uh, I'm trying to work on delighting in it day and night. I'm growing in the way, but here's what I want to tell you. Uh, One of our core values at Alpus Community Church is that we devote daily to a relationship with Jesus. And one of the primary ways to devote to a relationship with Jesus is through the Bible. And guys, it's not hard to get one of these. I've got a pile that I can give to you. And so what we say here at Alpus is, number one rule is this. Look, this is not a legalistic rule. Nobody's coming into your life. Like, I'm not going to show up at your door and be like, before you leave, like, hold on, did you read your Bible today? Like, Did you, well, then get back in there, okay? You're not going to work. I'll call your boss. I'll let him know. I'm not, nobody's doing that. So, but here's the rule. Read your Bible every single day. Every single day. Second thing. Here's the second rule I'll give you. Read through things. When I first became a Christian, not a lot of great discipleship, also as a baby Christian, I would just go like, eh, and I read it. Like, okay, and he killed him with an ox goad. I don't know what that is. That's crazy. All right, done. And okay, and the next day, we're like, okay, now Jesus is dying. Okay, Abraham is getting circumcised. I I don't know what's going on here. This is the weirdest book I've ever seen. And so um, I tell you that to say this, guys. Don't read it like you read a book. Engage your mind. Engage your imagination, but read through things, okay? Read every day, read through. If you start John, read through John. If you start the New Testament, finish the New Testament. If you start the Old Testament, do the Old Testament. If you, start the whole, you want to do a Bible, read the whole Bible. If you want to get it in a year, great. There's no guilt in not getting it in a year. Don't worry about that. But read it every single day. Read through it. And here's what I want to tell you. This is the most important rule. Read to connect with God. God is not interested in smarter sinners. He had that in the Pharisees. He's interested in people who love him. You cannot love somebody you don't know, so you have to read the Word. You read it to grow in your knowledge of the Lord, and as you grow in your knowledge of the Lord, and you grow in your obedience of walking it out, you're going to see that God is right. He is good, and you want to walk in His way. So do that every day, man. Open it up. One of the things I do is I'll open up my Bible to the place I go. I do a Psalm, Proverb, and then I'm somewhere, and I'll go, Lord, I'm about to read some things that I know are just too deep and rich for me. Man, Lord, help me be awake. Help me see it. Open my heart, and it's amazing how praying that prayer has changed the way I read. All right? Read every day. Read through. Read to connect with God. Now, the next thing you need to do is you need to apply it, right? Sometimes you read the Bible, you see some things, right? And, uh, and it's expecting you to live in a way. You're like, man, that's hard. I can't do that. It's okay. Do what it says. And here's the second thing I always say do what it says when you don't do what it says. What does that mean? Well, do what it says, all right? If it tells you to go be reconciled with somebody, if it tells you to uh, love your neighbor, if it tells you to uh, not do something, whatever the case may be. If you mess it up, then do what it says. What do, you, what do we do when we don't do what it says? We confess it. We confess to the Lord. We find our forgiveness. We confess to one another. We find our healing, James 5, 16. Confess that. Be honest about it. And then take the steps that it tells you to take to continue to walk in this life. Do what it says. So read it. Apply it. And the next thing, guys, man, this is what we need to be doing more and more often is teaching what we've learned to other people. Share what you learn from God's word with other friends. It's not actually that hard. Just talk about it. This morning we gather with our volunteers in the back. We usually get together, we pray, and I all, like almost every week I say, "Hey guys, what's God teaching you? What's God, What have you been reading God's word?" We have people in Chronicles and in Revelation and Jeremiah. It, it was really in Ecclesiastes. It was a sweet morning just to hear what God was teaching everybody. So here, if you're new to Outpost, it's your first time ever, uh, great. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you know we form. We've got sixteen community teams here at Outpost, and they're in these groups. And there's three questions that their lead pastor Uh, like, forces them to ask each other, okay? And here's the three questions, and they're so incredibly important. And the first question is, how have you moved towards the Lord? Or how are you feeding your soul? That question is so important to answer with a group of people, because then you're telling your friends, here is what God is teaching me, and uh, here's what I'm doing about it. And you're sharing that with others, and nothing shows you've learned something like teaching somebody else. Guys, it's so important for your discipleship that you don't just be people who eat the word, but you also go out and teach it to others. You share with other people. You do not have to be a pastor to tell other people what God's doing in your life. Amen? You don't have to. But when's the last time you told somebody far from Jesus about what God's doing in your life? You're like, well, they don't believe in God. It doesn't matter if they don't believe in God. Do you believe that there is a God and he really does exist regardless of whether they believe it or not? It's like them coming to you and telling you the world is flat. Look, it doesn't matter what they believe. They're still wrong. It's a big orb, right? Guys, that's a joke. I'm taking a shot at somebody in this room. All right, there's some people in this room that are like, I got an argument for you. All right, that's great. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is this, guys. If God really does exist and what you believe is really real, then you really should be talking about it. Share with others. Who's a great example of this? A great example is the great saint Ezra. Ezra in Ezra 7:10, it says, For Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. What did we just see? He wanted to read it himself, he wanted to practice it, and then he wanted to tell others about it. Ezra is a great example. Be an Ezra 7:10 type person. Who's another great example? The great King David. David uh, had a mess of a life like many of us, but man, there's one thing about David: he loved the Lord. And at the end of his life, he, say, he sings one final psalm. In 2 Samuel 22, 31, 32, he says this. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord and who is a rock but our God? This man, when he was finally in gray hair, getting ready to sing his last song and go to the grave, says, I'll tell you what, God's word was true the whole way. When I made a mistake, God's word was true. When I followed it, it turned out to be true. God is true. You can build your life on him. You find that out by the word. The great apostle Paul, man, he says in 2 Timothy, a great book to read, especially dads, if you want to ring with your sons to develop your sons, this is a fantastic one. One of these things he says is in chapter 2, verse 15, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as a worker who has no need to be shamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Friends, It is not hard these days to know God's Word. It's just not. If you live in the first century and you live in some obscure village in Greece, it could be really hard to know the Word of the Lord, to not know it because you can't read it. But guys, I'm telling you, there are so many resources right now, it's embarrassing. There are guys who are graduating with $60,000 in college debt from a seminary, and listen you could go and learn more than what they learn for free. Now the question is you got to go to the right places. But at the end of the day, listen, you can learn everything. Go to godquestions.org. Go to the join the Bible project. Go to desiring god. Go to ligonier ministries. You could g- g- grab an ESV study Bible. If you read it, the entire ESV study Bible, you will know more Bible than most pastors in this town. Period. Easily. It's a fantastic resource, guys. You can know this so all this little mamby-pamby, weak, whiny, I just don't have time, or it's a big bug, it's confusing. It is a big bug, confusing. Do the work. You can learn it. I promise. You totally can. All right? So stop being a mamby-pamby little wine bag. All right. But here's what you need to know. Uh, Paul. I, I'll just skip past this. We're gonna, so that's you. You can devote to this. You can learn it. You can know it. Uh, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, training, and righteousness. The man and woman God of God could be complete equipped for every good work this word's gonna do it and in second Timothy 4 he says the next thing you do is you preach the Word of God to others in season and out of season now what does it look like to do that in the family i want to give you guys just a few little tips as we kind of like cruise towards the end a few little tips about doing this with your family now I want to be honest I didn't grow up in a family that read the Bible I grew up in a family uh, who, whose dad was a drug dealer and his mom was trying to figure it out was working all these places and so I just had, my, my pastors were football coaches, baseball coaches, wrestling coaches. That's who my pastors were. So growing up, this wasn't, I don't have a good picture of what that's supposed to look like. And that's a lot of you in this room, right? You didn't, you didn't get a great example. No excuse. So here's, I'm going to tell you a few things that I do that you can do just to get started to make this a core part of your family. Number one, read the Bible as a family. Just do it. Dad, you're going to read it. Mom, you're gonna read it, and there's gonna come across something your kid's gonna ask you a question, and it's gonna stump you, and you go, you just gotta go. The best thing you tell your kid, I don't know the answer to that That's a great question. Who created God? Oh my goodness, I don't know. All right, so and then you go go to GodQuestions.org and you start looking these things up, and look at that, you're turning into a Bible scholar because your kids are great students. All right, so start reading the Bible as a family. Do it at the dinner table. You could do it in the morning. You could do it at night. Now, here's the next thing. I know it's on the screen. Just take it off the screen because it's super distracting. Uh, they're they're seeing all the answers. Uh, give your, raise your kids on steps, okay? What, for us, was the first step of introducing the Bible to my kids was the Jesus Storybook Bible. Anybody read that? Great. I've cried more reading the Jesus Storybook Bible than my own Bible. It's an amazing, amazing book. takes all the stories of the Bible and points them to Jesus. Great, great discipleship. So let me tell you what it's like at my house. At my house, in the evening, we sit down to read the Jesus story the Bible before we go to bed. And what happens is we get in there, the kids, they get into the bottom bunk. I sit there, the kids, they sit crisscross applesauce, and they go, Daddy, please read us the word of the Lord. And so then I open it up, a light, a light beams down on it, right, and, and I just begin to open, and I, I just read it, and they are just looking at me, tears starting to well with thankfulness that they have a father who's reading them this Jesus story Bible, and they listen to every word, right? And then I close it, and we all, we pray for the nations, and everybody gets saved. Okay, to be honest, it is like so opposite of that. Most nights, it's crazy. Okay, my wife was in here, and she was laughing. during first service. A lot of times, it's me opening it, it's like screaming, sit down, we're gonna read the Bible. All right, like, stop, get your brother. Get on your pillow, right? Like, and just yelling at them to try to get it. So, parents, let me just go ahead and make it a little sober. They're, I don't care if they're the coolest homeschool family you've ever seen in your life. Their kids do not obey them. Okay? And when they begin to open up the Bible, they don't want to listen. So, to be honest, sometimes Boone is down to listen. Somebody's like getting killed in there and he wants to watch it. And so I read it and it's great. Sometimes I'm not feeling it. I'm not doing as much inflection. I'm just like, yeah, no, 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 no. It all points to Jesus. All right, now let's not go to bed. Like, let's pray. Okay, listen, guys, that's what it's like. This discipleship with your kids is just not, like I'm a pastor, sometimes it's rough. My kids don't want to hear what I'm say, and, and we lose it. So, uh, but it's okay. The, the thing is, show up every night. Show up, show up, show up. Your kids will remember you showed up. You showed up. They will remember that. Now, my daughter is past Jesus Storybook Bibles. And so I actually don't even let her sit in the room with her little brothers. I want it just to be her little brothers. She's got something else going on. We've now moved her on to the message. You can crucify me if you want on the message. I think it's a fantastic resource to bridge a kid who's reading and learning how to read into reading the Bible. Do not go give them the NSA NASV. It's like eating gravel. They're like, they have no idea what's going on. So I give my daughter the message. What she does now is her task is every morning when I'm reading my word, she reads hers. She reads a chapter a day. She reads like 100 times more than some of you guys. Uh, now, she's also being forced, okay? But... So she reads the, uh, the message. She reads the chapter a day. She's going through the Bible, okay, for, for a year. So I'm just telling you, that's where she's at. The next step is when she turns 13, we're going to give her an ESV study Bible, and then we're going to begin to bridge her into the next thing. We're moving in steps with her daughter, trying to keep her attracted to the word and moving her along in it, okay? Now let me tell you something else. So Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm flying through this. Some of you all look bored. All right, I'm trying to keep you alive. All right, this stuff is like, I love this stuff. That's why, like, I'm, that's why I'm doing this all the time. Deuteronomy 6, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. So mom and dad, it's on you first. There's a lot of people who don't want to follow the Lord because their parents faked it. Don't fake it. They don't need to see that you know a lot of theology. They need to see that you live your theology. So walk it out. May it be a part of your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, what does that remind you of? You are called to be the Psalm 1 mom and dad in your home. You walk with them, you stand with them, you sit with them, you talk about the way of the, of the Lord, okay? I'm starting to figure out how this works. I'm a chatty guy in general. I can talk about anything, all right? Make it up. Pickleball, I can talk about it. Okay, so what we did is, uh, beginning of third grade year, every time, every day, I drove my daughter to school. That was like my commitment. I want to drive my daughter to school, and so, on the way to school for the most of the fir, uh, of third grade, I just told her what I was reading in the Bible. I would miss a day, and I knew I was going to be reading it a little bit later in the morning, and so I just we just talk or we pray. So we always prayed for three of her friends, and I would tell her what I read. Okay, how did that go? Sometimes really poorly. Okay. I can think of one instance where we're driving. We do this thing called slug bug, cruiser, bruiser, all this kind of thing. Anybody do that? Where you punch each other? Well, I'm trying to tell my daughter about Jesus, and it's like real serious. We're in there. And she just socks me. She's like, cruiser, bruiser. And I just like, I don't know about you guys. When I get angry, something like, I like black out. And so it ended with us sitting in the, uh, the, the elementary school parking lot, her crying, me sitting there apologizing for yelling at her. School's already started. And then us praying together and sending her out. It was just It was embarrassing. But that's family discipleship right there, okay? Just living it. Towards the end of the year when she moved into the Message Bible, now what we do is, listen, I live a mile from the school. Uh, And listen, there's no traffic, really. I drive, I tell her what I read. She tells me about what she read. We pray for those three friends, and she goes to school. And we do that every day. Imagine Olivia Claire Brooks being an adult, and someone says, hey, so what was the discipleship like for you? It's like, well, every single day I read my Bible with my dad, and we would talk about it in the car, and we would pray for my friends. I hope I've been praying like, God, save those three friends, because if they save them, my daughter's going to go. I was praying for them since third grade. That's what it looks like to involve your kids as, as you walk by the way. So in the morning, as you go, at night, guys, be courageous moms, dads, uncles, adults, our single adults. You guys are investing in students and in our kids as well. Be courageous. Talk about it. Show them the way the Lord is real, and you can do it. Okay? You can do this. You can totally do this. Just start small and know your kids are not going to listen for a long time. <laughs> and it is okay. Now, what does it look like to be the Psalm 1 man in your community? Man, well, uh, like I said, we're in community groups here. If you're not a part of this community, great. Hopefully you have a, tr- a Christian community. But I would tell you is like be, find a group of people you can read the word of the Lord with. So find a group of people that you can meet with regularly, you can be really honest about who you are, and you could talk about the word together. And uh, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, it tells us that we are uh, to let the word of Christ dwell in ourselves richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and songs with thankfulness in our hearts towards God. So you need to be a part of a community where you're surrounded by people who are trying to read the word of the Lord, who are trying to teach each other about it, and trying to admonish one another. How many of you guys are like, I just can't wait till I get a friend who could just admonish me? Like, nobody. But you know what it says in Colossians 3.16? It says, it says that I, I, it's going to lead to me wanting to worship the Lord. Like, how many of you guys have been like, you've been like called out by your friend with scripture, and you're like, I just want to sing, right? Praise God. For, like, you, nobody's like erupting to want to worship the Lord. You're like, you jerk. Leave me alone, you legalistic Christian. That's usually how we respond. But those who are the Psalm 1 men who delight in the law of the Lord, they, man, they love having friends who are going to remind them of what God says. Like, hey, buddy, just let me remind you. So friends, I'm going to tell you this. Moms, dads, friends, you've got a daughter who's struggling with anxiety. Man, memorize Philippians 4, 6, and 7 with her. Right, and so when she's in that place where she's feeling anxious, she go, hey, sweetheart, let's say it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hey, let's pray about this again, sweetheart. You got a kid who's struggling with, uh, struggling with, you know, anger, or struggling with. Um, I'm trying to say, intimate relationships. Trying to think of the way to say this, a sexual sin. Uh, I want to tell you, like, man, go take me to Ephesians 5 and go, hey, buddy, let's just, Ephesians 5 3, let's just memorize this together. And when, he, when he's struggling and he comes to you, dad, and he confesses, he's he like, hey, buddy, you're remind you of Ephesians 2 8 and 9. But also, let me just, let's go to Ephesians 5 3. Let's, that's not who we are. Let's not do that. Let's honor God's daughters, right? You take the word and you start to use that and it just becomes a part of who you guys are. And listen, if you think you can't memorize Scripture, there's another thing you're lying about. You can do it. You absolutely can do it. It just takes work like everything else in your life. You can memorize all the lyrics to a T-Swift song. I promise. You can memorize scripture. The only problem is desire. So delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night, all right? And you'll become like a tree planted by streams of water. in, in a season, you will. You're going to bear fruit, OK? You're going to grow, you're going to develop. And when you do that, you're going to be a person that, in this community, is, that is just different. In your office, in your family on that sports team, as a coach, no matter what you do, you will be different, because people look at you and go, man, what do you have? You look blessed. And It'll have nothing to do with your riches. It'll have everything to do with your eyes. And they'll see in you there's something different. And then again, tell them why. So guys, man's going to come up, we're going to sing, we're going to worship the Lord, because God's been good to us. He gave us a book um, that guides us and shows us the way of everlasting. And so, We're going to sing to him. Look, I know y'all are tired. It's like, it's been a long day, right? It's like, what, 12? Okay? If you don't have one of these, man, I'm telling you, get this. Uh, Let me say this. Before y'all play and make it all moody, listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is, I I mean, I'm going to keep going and doing it. I'm going to do this. My life's going to continue to go the direction it's going. It's great. Yours is going to keep going the direction it's going. Fine. Do what you want to do. At uh, the end of the day, I want this. And I don't want what you've got if you don't got this. I really don't want it. I've seen it. Don't want it. I'm telling you, at Outpost Community Church, the thing that is changing people's lives more than anything else, obviously outside of the Holy Spirit, the, the thing that's changing more than anything else is that people are reading this word regularly for the first time in their lives. Because I'm constantly telling them, do this. Read it. I promise. Like I don't know what it says. Keep reading. I promise. Do it. Change people's lives. So guys, you guys are invited. You are exhorted. You are encouraged. Don't feel guilty. You can do this. And if you don't know how to do it, come talk to me. I'll I'll help you out. I'll show you the way we can read this together. Maybe you need to start with the Jesus Oracle Bible. Maybe you need to start with the message. Maybe you can go straight into the ESV. You need to buy an ESV study Bible today. Right? Maybe you need to get on Ligonier or whatever these websites and start to learn the Word of the Lord. But guys, I'm telling you right here, this is life he's going to show you the way and the rest of this culture don't walk with them don't sit with them don't stand with them they're lying to you they are confused god knows let's pray stand with me let's sing and worship lord god you've been kind to us you've been good your word tells us so Two thousand years ago a man who was the only psalm one man to ever live who delighted in your will he got on a cross because you asked him to because you love us And Jesus, I thank you that you did that. I thank you, man, a 33-year-old man. You did not delight in pleasure. You delighted in setting us free and accomplishing God's will. And so I pray that we would be a people, if we call ourselves Christian, who are known for delighting in the law of the Lord like you. I pray that this summer we would just choose to read this word, dive in. We learn what it says, that we practice it, and we would tell our friends what it says. That we invite people in, and we'd be moms and dads who are Psalm 1 men and women who would show our kids that the word of the Lord is the most important voice they need to hear, not ours. And may we be guided by it. And may this church continue to grow and flourish deeply in the soul as we hide our hearts.